This is episode number 677 of the Inner Fight Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the show, ladies and gentlemen. No matter where you are in the world, I hope you're having a fantastic day, week. Just hope you're doing well. Hope you're fit, taking care of your health. If you're in the parts of the world that are not so easy to move around at the moment, I hope you're moving around in the areas that you can and also taking care of your health and your food. And if you want to take care of your food and you're living here in the UAE, even if you're not in the UAE, you can take advantage of smithstreetpaleo.com recipes. But if you live in the UAE, Smith Street Paleo, our show sponsors, food delivered to your home office. Anyway, really. Not sure if they do Al-Qurda yet, but let's check. I might test them out there. smithstreetpaleo.com or hello at smithstreetpaleo and they will do their best to help you out. Today, my guest is doing something quite remarkable. He is in search of a world record for a marathon. However, it's not just a normal marathon. No, why would that be what we'd be talking about? Of course, it is what's known as the world's strongest marathon, where Corey Philpott will attempt to set, and in his words, will set a new world record for the world's strongest marathon, which is a recognized discipline where he will pull a car of 1.8 tons. His is slightly over the Guinness requirement, a distance of 42.2 kilometers in under 17 hours. I will leave you with those thoughts. Let's jump into today's show with Corey Philpott. Welcome back to another episode of the show, ladies and gentlemen. And yes, I was saying it correctly and clearly in the intro, the gentleman on today's show is going to pull a 1.8 tonne car, a distance of 42.2 kilometers, all the way from Australia. Corey Philpott, welcome to the show, mate. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Mate, fantastic. Thank you so much, mate, for, for taking the time to chat to us. Just clarify that, mate, because I've said it twice. I said it once in the intro. I've said it once now. What is this goal that you've got? So the world's strongest marathon, a lot of people know Ross Edgley, uh, quite famous in from all his feats. Uh, he designed this, I guess, crazy feat. Um, I will be pulling a one point. I'm, I'm currently training. This is where people are getting a little bit mixed up. Yeah. I'm currently, I'm currently training with a 1.8 ton car, but I only have to pull over a 1.5 ton on the day. Right. Why? Yeah, so oh, you're making it harder from the start, mate. <laughs> well, I figured I don't have the... I don't have the amount of hours because when I was reading up on Ross's and that kind of stuff, he said he was doing like um, 24 hours of pulling it and all this different kind of stuff. And I'm like, I don't have that kind of time. I've got a, I've got a family. I've got a business to run. I've got full-time work. I need to use my time wisely. And yeah. that's where I'm, all right, I'm up in the weight. And with up in the weight, um, we're getting some pretty good times that's going to cut it down a fair bit. Right. Unbelievable. Before we get to sort of how you're training and, and a little bit more into that, mate, I want to, I want to sort of understand where this really comes from. Like when I, Ross Edgley did his, I think it was about four or five years ago, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. 2016. 2016. So like when you see that, it's like, okay, why is this guy doing it? Now I have a, ch- actually I asked Ross Edgley once to come on the podcast and he, he mugged me off. So thank you for, for chatting to me before you get rich and famous. Um, <laughs> So, mate, how do you how do you get to like what stimulated this goal? Uh, I guess 
once I read Ross Edgley's book, I, I read it when I was, read his book, The World's Fittest Book, when I was in a I was in a pretty dark place at that time. Um, I always had a passion for fitness and all this, you know, that kind of jazz. You know, I was playing rugby league and you know, I was always really fit, always interested. And I was at a really dark place when I started reading that book. And I thought, yeah, this is really cool, but I'm never gonna be able to do it. No one in my circle is gonna be able to gonna say, Yeah, whatever, like you're not gonna do it. So it came when I started to get, uh, yeah, I went down that dark path and I started to get really, really fit again. And I said, you know what? I'm going to put this out into the universe that I'm going to do this. Um, we did some testing with some shoes. We did a testing with a, I think the car we first tested with was 2.4 ton. And I was like, oh, this is really this is heavy. <laughs> I think we did, th- we did three Ks with the 2.4 ton. And I said, oh, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. And um, that's when I put it out in the, into the universe on Instagram, stuff like that. And I think a lot of people were in shock, like, oh, yeah, he's just going to, he's just talking about it, whatever. Yeah. And when I started submitting things to council, putting all this stuff in place to, to get done, because I'm organizing it. It's a massive thing to organize. Um, yeah. I'm organizing it on my own. I don't really have a team. I have a team around me who's helping me sit in the car, but right. not... Uh, not organizing it so that's where um a lot of time a lot of time consuming goes mate i want to pick up on two things you said straight out the blocks you said you were in some sort of dark place when 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 you had this idea talk to us a little bit about that mate what's what's been going on i actually played a high level of rugby league so i played uh people who know the nrl i played with played with cronulla sharks and illawarra steelers and um just fell out of love with rugby league. Uh, my, my pop passed away and he was like my go-to guy for rugby league, everything about that. And I just fell out of love with it when he passed away. And I was just like, oh, well, if he's not here, then why am I even doing this? You know, wow. um, I went back to park football and just started playing park football. And if anyone knows the rugby league culture in Australia, it's play football straight off the game. It's drugs, smoking, all that kind of jazz. It's just, it's just crazy. Probably like the same in England. I know people go to the pub all the time, but... Um, I guess the mates I was hanging around, it was just taking it to that next level. And during that time, when I first quit rugby league, yeah. I was 86 kilos, roughly 86 kilos. After one year of going back to park football, I weighed 126 kilos. That was my wow. max weight in a year. So I put on almost 40 kilos in a year just from partying and yeah, not, not looking after myself. And going through that putting on all that weight um it got yeah this is really hard for me to say because I, I do regret it but it's a part yeah. of my journey and i actually started taking illicit drugs midweek wow so i was going home like this was when i knew i i had a problem yeah. and I, I didn't really know it at the time but i was on a come down um i think it was a sunday afternoon and me and my old man we didn't have a really good relationship growing up at all yeah right um had a really bad um, depiction of him and he, he I had him painted as this really bad person. So I, I never really wanted to talk to him. I was on a come down in the bender, stupidly enough driving home and I rung him, pulled over the side of the road. My life's going nowhere. I was ready to end it all. Wow. And he goes, mate, just stay where you are. Uh, I'm going to get your mum to come pick you up and you're going to come and live with me. And I moved an hour, I think it's like about an hour and a half away from everything that I had, um, deleted all social media, 
wow. just dropped everything. Within two days, I moved everything and just started a whole new life. Yeah. So. Wow, mate, that's that's incredible, mate. Like such a such a clear point where you just kind of flip flip the coin. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I want to come back to, to to that bit, mate. But I want I want to dig in a little bit because I think there's something that actually could be very helpful for people here. In a very short period of time, you put on 40 kilos. Now, there's a lot of people that listen that maybe are struggling with, with weight gain. Like, what's going through your mind, mate? That's one kilo a week. Like, that's really aggressive. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, to be honest, I don't remember basically anything from that year. Wow. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Besides literally, besides literally that moment, there is phases here and there if some one of my mates comes and they bring up a story or whatever i'm like oh yeah like i think that happened but i was in that dark of a place and drugs had taken over my body wow. that i had no recollection of really i right now in the place i'm at yeah uh, it's like it's like it's fully deleted out of my system wow. it's like i don't i really don't even remember that person and when i look at photos i think holy shit Who's that? what the hell yeah, yeah. How, yeah. how did you, how did you finance? Like, you know, you, you say, oh, I was just taking drugs left, right and center. We all, we all know there's, a, there's a cost to that. How did you, how did you finance it? Sorry if that's a, a super personal question, so, but it's like, wow. Look, I had being in that, um, being in the bad circle I was in, I had a lot of people who had connections and I guess was de were dealing and stuff like that. And yeah. it was either a, a IOU or, um, I was in a stupid phase where you just do stupid shit and they said, Oh, if you do this, I'll give you that. I'm like, Oh yeah. It's almost like a junkie mentality. Like that's like, I was on the verge. If I didn't pull up then yeah. I would have been down that path and my life would have been gone. Yeah. Did you have moments, mate, before you had this, this, this moment where you pulled over the car with your dad, did you have moments where you're just like, this is just so wrong. And yep. Yep. I bloody, bloody, I did man. And, bloody oath I did. And I always thought that, you know, what am I doing? Like, but I thought my mates were showing me so much love. Well, they're not even my mates, but people who I thought were my mates were showing me all this love and, and affection. It's like, I felt like that was something that I didn't have in my childhood. Right. Even though I did, it was all around me. This stupid idiot teenager just decided to neglect all of that from my family yeah. and just looked at my mates as these gods and you know, it's just all about the boys. It's all about the boys. If the boys say do it, I was a big one to give into peer pressure. Really? Like if I wanted to stay in bed on a Friday night and the boys are like, come on, Phil Pot, come on, Phil Pot, let's go, let's go. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, fuck it, let's go. What do you have? Nothing to lose, you know? Really? And I would just go. And then the next morning I'd wake up feeling my shit thing and I'll and I literally tell myself, I remember actually remember now I'm telling this story. Yeah. I remember yeah. telling myself and telling my mates, Oh, I'm never drinking again, I'm never doing all that again. And they go, oh, yeah, whatever. Well, yeah, whatever. Really? Yeah. And I, I remember I used to say, like, oh, whatever, fill pot, whatever, fill pot. You know, it's just wicked. You said, mate, you used to get, like, love from, from, from your family, but you, you liked it. Something I think you said there, like, more from your mates. Why, why do you think that is? Have you ever thought about, like, what caused these behaviors and, you know, why you wanted to be? Essentially, what I'm hearing is that you just enjoy being the center of attention. Yeah, basically that what it, that's what it was back then. Really? <laughs> Literally, that's what it was back then. And I thought if I do this, then they're going to like me even more. 
then those guys are going to like me. Then the next guy's going to like me because they're all going to think I'm funny and bub. But they're actually, when you look back at this stuff, they're actually laughing at you, not yeah. with you. Yeah. And that was right. where the big things like, when I look back on these times and I hear stories that old mates used to say and stuff, I'm just like, what the hell, man? I don't even know that person. Wow. But mate, you yeah. said, you, you said your upbringing, like you've got plenty of love at home because obviously mate, what we see and what we hear a lot now is that, you know, when we don't get something at home or in our upbringing, yeah. we're going to, to chase yeah. it. But talk to us a little bit about your upbringing, mate, just so we, we can understand that maybe. When I was six years old, my, my parents split. Yep. Uh, yep. And that's where I moved an hour and a half away from my old man. Um, my dad was the most loving father. He, he, as much as I neglected him, because I have this really bad, I had this really bad picture of him. He never gave up. So every single Wednesday, once a week, he would come down and see us. And he, since moving out here, we've had really deep and meaningful chats. And wow. he used to drive home and cry because he had to just leave his kids there. Wow. Um, and I always had this bad picture growing up that he was this bad person, blah, blah, blah. And we're best mates now. Like life could not be better. And I honestly, since actually going in a bit deeper with you, I've never really actually thought about it. As I said, I've always just blocked it out and saying, I don't even know that person. I don't want to know that person. I don't want to be that person. Cause who I, and I, I do look back on it sometimes and think, yeah, okay. What I did back then and the choices I made, it made me who I am because it made me realize all these different things about life and what life really is and what it means to actually live your life to the fullest instead of my living life to the fullest now is going out and running a hundred K's, not going out and having a hundred pills. Do you know what I mean? Like completely <laughs> 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 of the show right there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, and that, that's the thing is back then my life was, Oh, this is living, you know, I get to go out every night with my mates, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and now I'm here and yeah, running a hundred K's is fun. But why, what causes this mindset shift? I, I want to use that example because I think it's great. 100 pills to 100 Ks. Yeah. Like, because you were obviously having fun, mate. And now you're obviously having fun. So yeah. where is this? Where is the, where's the change? Have you heard that? Um, you heard that saying you are the five, top five people you hang around? Yeah. You become the top five people you hang around. So basically when I moved, when I moved out here, to Penrith and I live in the beautiful blue mountains. But when I moved out here, I deleted all social media. Yeah. I just yep. needed to find out who I was, where my life was going and what was, what I was doing. Um, and deleting all that social media when I, when I was in hundreds of different group conversations with, you know, all these different people, um, always having great chats when I was out there. Cause I thought that was fun to then deleting all social media and having two people, still contact me saying, Hey, are you okay? Where are you? What's going on? You know, and that you find out those two people are the two people that actually loved you and actually cared for you and actually care about you still. Yeah. Cause they're going, Hey, where the hell is this guy? What the hell is he doing? Yeah. You know? And you think I probably had thought when I was back then I had, you know, probably 80, 90 mates that yeah. I all played football yeah. with, but two of them messaged me. Wow. You know? That's so that. Yeah. And then I thought, you know, I think it was about nine months actually when I thought I'm ready to come back onto social media. I'm ready to um, start, you know, not actually showing my, I'm not, not showcasing my life, but showcasing my journey. 
Yeah. And then that's when yeah. CosFit came into it where I wanted to start building, showing people. When I started to get fit and I started to get more confidence again, because remember, I gained all that weight. Yeah. When, yeah. I started to drop it, when I started to drop it all when I was out here, that's when I started to gain confidence back saying, hey, I want to share this with people. Like if anyone else is stuck in that same rut I was in, yeah, they're going to get out. They're going to get out. Right. Yeah. Brilliant. It's this unreal already. We're like 20 minutes in and, and, and it's wild. I'm so thankful that you're sharing these things, mate. And obviously, you know, we, we appreciate that it's not always easy to, to answer some of the questions, especially when I, oh. when I go brutal on them. But, mate, I want to jump back to a, cu- a couple of other things and we, we will get to the marathon and the, the important stuff. But I love yeah. to understand sort of where a lot of this has come from. And one thing that I picked up there is that you said that literally when you finished playing rugby, rugby league in this case, or footy as they call it in, in Australia, like it was straight into drugs and drinking, which, you know, for, for youngsters growing up, professional sport is, you know, I, what is it? Generalizations. It's like, you know, hot chicks, fast cars, bit yeah. nice houses and stuff, but which I don't think is a light side, but it's maybe not quite as a darker side as drinking and drugs. Talk to us a little bit about that, mate. And, and maybe if you want to share your thoughts on like, you know, is it a rife problem in professional sport? Is it, is it like just in Australia? You know, we've, I live down there. I know all about the mongos, but you know what I mean? So what's your thoughts on that with drugs and drinking related to professional sport? I guess I haven't really had much to do with, with other sports, but rugby league, definitely I've seen a lot of mates who I think I only have, I would have three mates that play professionally now. Yeah. And literally they play professionally, but they'd been in the position, not in the exact position I was in, but yeah. they had been in the position of going out and partying and doing drugs. I think that kind of, rug, of rugby league that I know, it's embedded in the sport. It's embedded in the culture. You know, yeah. going back in the locker rooms, they don't do it now. That Back in the day, they used to go into the locker rooms and smoke. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They don't do that these days, but you see the thing that the thing that I have an issue with with professional sports is they advertise gambling through and through, and they're all sponsored by beer companies. Yeah. You know, especially yeah. here in rugby league, like the two major sponsors we have this thing called State of Origin, which is Queensland versus New South Wales. Yeah. The two major sponsors are both beer companies. Yeah, terrible. It, it, like there's money in it, so that's why. But you know, it just doesn't make sense. Like it's meant to be a professional sport. Why would you not get some sort of health and fitness um, big sponsor? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just baffles me. And my mates, I've seen, still see videos. I just caught up with a couple of mates over the weekend, and they're from Cronulla, where I was from. Caught up with about four of them that I still speak to, yeah. and they were showing me videos of what the other boys were doing that night, like that they're kind of still mates with. And I was going far out, man. Like that's just, it's just next level. It's, and they're still playing rugby league. They're still in that cycle. Mind you, these guys are now 24, 25. Yeah. 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 You're meant to be, you're meant to have a full-time job kind of, you know, maybe getting a fiance or something like that. I don't know. Or a long time girlfriend, but they're just out there. I just look at it and think your life's going nowhere. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting as well, mate. Because you're obviously quite young. You you're, you're sort of same sort of age, right? You're 23 now, and but yeah. it it's almost I'm almost super thankful for you that you've had this experience. Not that you had the experience, mate, but that at such a young age you kind of mm. out the other side and 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 just yeah, you like you said. You, you think Marcus? Also, the thing I look at it is I was when I was playing rugby league, I was playing with a lot older people. Yeah. 
Right. So when I was pl- when I was 16, I was playing with 18 year olds. So having a beer at 16 to me was normal. So I don't know wow. with uh, when I went back to park football if those group of guys were because um, I had experienced it at an earlier age. Did yeah. they need to catch up and I got over it quicker than them? I'm not too sure. But yeah. uh, they seemed yeah. five years on, they still seem to be stuck in that cycle. So I don't think. I don't yeah. think that's what it is. And, I, and I've had boys from out there. This is the funny thing, Marcus. I've had boys from out there messaging me saying, hey, I want to do this. I, I want to run a marathon. Or I um, like, what are you doing? Can you help me like change my life? I'm stuck in this rut. Wow. The next weekend, they're out on the beers and out on the drugs. I'm just like, I'm not going to help you. What are you? I'm not wasting my time. Uh, you don't want to change. Yeah. And that's, that's where I think your story is interesting, mate, that you did want to change and, and you yeah. sort of just went bang, cold turkey and, and, and you changed, mate, which is, which is amazing. Yeah. One, another thing that we, we sort of skipped around or you mentioned a couple of times there, you, one of the things that you did was you, you deleted your social media accounts, mate. Obviously, social media is, that, I mean, mate, it's how we know each other, right? You know, it's how, it's how we yeah. first connected. There's a lot of positives to it, but there's also a lot of negatives. What did you feel were the, were the negatives? And, and talk to us a little bit about your detox from it and perhaps the positive implications of that. I think the negatives were the fear of missing out. Uh, FOMO, as they say, it's like um, if I stay home on a Friday night and I see all my friends out drinking, um, yeah. some teenage girl or boy is going to be like, are they talking about me? Are they calling me a pussy? Oh, I'm just going to go with them. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't want to be caught. I don't want to be known as that guy. Um, and I think that's where I really fell into the trap. And that's why I needed, if I wasn't, if I still was on social media, yeah. I would have wanted to go yeah. back. Right. So you're removing the so temptation. That's it. So then I removed it. And the positives out of that was having real connection with my family. Amazing. Finding myself, connecting with my dad, who I never really had a relationship growing up with. Yeah. Um, you know, I was running. That's when that's when running came into it, and all this. Yeah, it's the positives out of it was more connection to real life people that actually cared about you and loved you. Do you feel now that you're back on social media, how are you able to use it now in a positive way, mate? Well, I think I tell people through my journey is that you can get stuck in a shit as a situation and you can yeah. still get out. Yeah. That is the main thing I try to tell people is that, and, and also now that I've gotten into the mental toughness side of things and I try and get people to build mental resilience, it's small baby steps. And yeah. sometimes I think yeah. if, if, if they really want, if someone comes to me and says, I really want to push, I'll use that and say, you've only ran five cases before we we're talking about with Nick. All right, let's go and do a marathon. If you really want to find out who you truly are, if you're going to find out if you're a quitter, let's go and do that. Yeah. You know, and there's two sides I like to attack it through inspiration is is through those two different styles. Mate, you pulled over on the side of the road and out of the blue, you gave your dad a call. You hadn't had a relationship with him. What do you think made you call him at that point? To be honest, I have no freaking idea. Really? I have, I honestly have no idea, but I know there must have been something burning inside to tell me I needed my dad, you know, not having, and, and that's what that says to me is that I actually needed him the whole time growing up. I, think I needed that male figure growing up. Yeah. And yeah. I just, th- at that point I wanted to end it all. And yeah. he was there. He was the guy that I needed because I hadn't had him. I felt like I hadn't had him my whole life. How did you guys rebuild that relationship? Or build it from scratch because he left when, when you were so young. 
Yeah, well, I, we always like, guess like, because I said he, he comes out every Wednesday. He always came out to team sport, but I always just was like, no, nah, he's a bad person. He's the one that broke up mom and dad. He's the one that did this, blah, blah, blah. When I came out here, I started working with him. Right. So we were in each other's pockets full time. <laughs> and my, my old man's actually an ultra runner. So <laughs> then I started getting into the running. He, he was running and I started doing like three Ks here, three Ks there. And the true connection I think actually came through running right. because wow. I had, I had lost about, I had lost about five kilos. This is the real tipping over point for me. This is where my, this is where my brain just snapped right. was when, my dad had woke me up at 4.30 in the morning. It was minus three. And he goes, you're, you're getting up with me. I'm sick of you being a fat shit. You're going to do a half marathon. Wow. Mind you, I cannot run over two Ks here. Wow. I'm still about, I'm probably about 120 kilos roughly. Wow. Um, couldn't tell you exactly, but around 120 kilos. And he goes, you're getting up now. And I just looked at him. It's like four o'clock. No, no. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? I'm not getting up. He goes, I've already packed your bags. You're getting up with me. So he drove an hour up the mountain. It was minus three up there. Wow. And, and I ran a half marathon. And my legs, I collapsed after it. My legs just gave way. And I knew in that moment, if I stopped, then that would set in stone who I was. How did you so I just after didn't that stop. After, that, was, that, was my, that was my major turning point. It's just like, if I, can just run a, if I can just run a half marathon off the bat, yeah. I can freaking go do anything. And <laughs> mind you, it was, would have been six weeks after that. I just, I signed up for a 24 hour race. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Talk to us a little bit about the, the emotion and the feeling that you went through during that half marathon, mate. Cause I think that must have been special. Yeah. From about, from about eight Ks on every step I took, I thought I was going to cry. I thought wow. I was going to break down. Why? Yeah. Oh, why? My body was just broken. My body was just gone. I just never felt anything like this before. And it's just, I was, whoa. But my, my dad and his friend that we ran with, they always like to stop and take photos. Cause we live in this beautiful mountain range and they always like to take photos at all the lookouts. And I go, if I start, that's it. I'm gone. Like I'm, I'm not stopping. And when I got to the end, I just gave my dad a big hug. My legs gave way and just yeah. felt like crying. I didn't cry, but yeah. The, my whole body was just depleted. I remember I couldn't walk for about two or three weeks. Sure. <laughs> After, so yeah. You're still 120 kilos, right? When you did it. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Mad. Incredible, mate. Yeah. Mate, let's move on a little bit to, I think that's a, a amazing background, mate. And a full respect for, for, for what you shared with, with me and with, with, with the listeners. I think it creates a lot of context around, especially around what you're doing with, with CosFit, which I want to talk about as well in a second. But, where I want to kick this into, mate, is, is, is on the challenge. You said something when you were introducing it at the start that one of your motivations was that no one in your circle would, would, would sort of support it. Talk to us a little bit about that and maybe getting motivation from others that you think they think you're going to fail. I don't think they thought I was going to fail, but I, I talk like a lot of things up. I'm like, I'm going to do this and I'll go and do it, you know? Or sometimes I'll say, yeah, I'm going to run 60Ks. I'm going to do this loop. So I just did this thing. Um, it's called, I made it up just during COVID. It's called Levy Street Ultra. And I just ran and ran 70Ks up and down my street. Okay. Just up and down my 70Ks, just 1K out, 1K back. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that I've gone, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. Just, just to my family. I don't really 
we put most of it out on social media. I'm going to do just my family and they go, Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This is another crazy thing. Yeah. But I've never with this cause it was so massive. Someone with the massive high profile. And I think when the name, when the words world record come into it, yeah, that's when they're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. World record, you know? Um, then I was like, no, I'm going to do this. Like I need to go down for testing. And my dad's like, okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's get the car and we'll, and I actually just had something going across my chest when I was pulling the 2.4 ton car. Like I didn't even have wow. a proper harness or nothing. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I didn't have a proper harness or anything. And I was just like, Oh, let's go. And yeah. one, I think once he, cause my whole family came down for that. It was about, it was been about five of us yeah. just for the testing. They wanted to see if I could actually do it. And um, as soon as that happened, they're like, oh yeah, he, he's, he's going to do this. Can do this. Yeah. 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 So you get them down there, mate. You do the testing. What do you feel in the in in? I mean, what, mate? Let's rewind. I'm how, how, yeah, you're fully pumped. Okay, let let's just go back. Like, okay, it sounds easy. We look at world record. We see Ross Edgley car. But you said some things earlier about organize it with council. How do you even get this test car out there? How do you decide what belt? Like, I'm thinking logistics. I'm I love admin, mate. But I'm thinking logistics like out of my ass to get this thing sorted. Talk us yeah, through man. a little bit of that process, mate. Well, I've, yeah, I've been submit, I submitted all this stuff through council um, to go and get it done. Council in Australia are a bummer to work with, like <laughs> so hard. Because yeah. it is um, a, pro, oh, sorry, a public road that I'm pulling it on. I need traffic management plan, everything like that to go in. Right. And yeah so and now i need a COVID safe plan they're telling me all this kind of crap so i um i need to submit the COVID safe plan i need the 20 million dollars insurance public liability for event day i'm really i'm training at the place that i'm going to be pulling it which is a public road um i've just it's like a sporting complex um i've just been chucking on the hazards when i've been pulling the car <laughs> and um people have just been driving around me uh, getting a lot of photos a lot of stairs and stuff like that but when I'm, when I'm pulling the car, I spoke to council and I said, I'm actually training there now. And the lady goes to me, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because if I, if I'm training there, then I need all the, I need all the insurances, the traffic management plan for every single week that I'm training there, wow. everything like that. So it's massive. So she said to me, wow. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. So wow. it's um, logistically, if I need to set up that, it would be almost impossible yeah. for me to set up. Uh, um, traffic management plan for every single time I'm down there. No, every single day I'm pulling the car because it's always swapping and changing wow. just due to lifestyle. And yeah, so Australia has really a lot of rules. Let's put it that way, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. When I'm organizing it myself, it's freaking, it's freaking hard, man. Yeah, yeah. And Ross had a whole team around him and all that. Like, yeah, he mate, he did. He he's lucky. He has. Well, he's not lucky. He's cre he's he's created that. Oh, he's created that for himself. And I hope one day to have that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So you finish this test, mate. You get it. You get it all done, and you know you pulled a heavier car. You must be. I think you just said it there. You must have been pretty pumped. You're like, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. Well, when I was pulling it, when I did like three Ks and I was pulling one ton over the weight I needed, yeah, I was going, yeah, I'm doing this easy. How do you get and the, the car moving at, in, in the first place, mate? Like how does it start rolling? So there's about when I think with the, with the 1.5 ton, the 1.8 ton, it's fairly easy for me to get it rolling. But when I was initially pulling that 2.4 ton, I had about 15 seconds of effort before the car actually moved. Wow. Before the axle started wow. spinning. 
Yeah, so I was exerting a lot of energy for that, like 10 to 15 seconds, yeah. and then the car would start rolling, and then I'll be like, okay, game on now. Wow. But with the, with the 1.8 ton car, I can basically strap it on. It's maybe, maybe you know, three or four seconds of effort before the car starts rolling, and, and that's it. I'm on my way. Is there, obviously, it's a, it's, it's a world record. Is it a Guinness-regulated world record that you're going for, mate? I'll be the first one to put it through Guinness. And yeah. mate, I know this might sound a little bit... Uh, a little bit of a childish question, but is there is there rules and regulations around like road gradient? So you can't just like pull it Whoa. downhill the whole way, but how does that work? When I watched Ross's video, because I, I haven't really seen much about Ross doing it video wise or anything like that. So when right. I saw him doing it, he was actually stopping and they were turning the car around for him. So that tells me that when he did it at the racetrack, he was doing it all around the flat. Right. When he was doing it. Right. Um, because it isn't a Guinness-sanctioned world record yet, right? there is no rules or regulations to it. Got it. I will be the first one to do that. Now, my course actually has elevation. Right. <laughs> okay. There's a, there's a bit where over 40 meters, there is seven meters elevation. Wow. So it doesn't seem like much when you're walking it, but pulling a car, yeah, right. it's almost over a meter elevation every 10 meters. Wow. So, but the lucky part about that is I get to go about 700 meters downhill. Okay. So I get to come and the car's following me. And how did you pick the route that you're going to do? Uh, I, I, I sussed out a couple a couple routes that were, that were quite flat and those were at venues. So I couldn't train there all the time. Right. So now that when I was training at Jemison Park, this place where I'm do, doing it yeah. is I've gone, I'm training here. Why would I not do it here? Right. Yeah. It just, just made sense to me. Yeah. Um, and the other venues, they wanted a lot of money and all that kind of stuff. I just couldn't, couldn't afford to do it. And when I went through council, it cost me a tiny bit of money, but yeah. um, nothing too serious. So talk to us a little bit about that, mate, because it, it, the training side of it, because I, I, I'm pretty sure it's not as simple as, yeah, I'm just going to go out for a run today. Yeah. I'm just going to strap on my, uh, my car that's outside and we're just going to go for a walk up the street. Like, so how do you, how do you train for it? How often do you train with a car? What do you do outside of it? Give us a sort of overview on that, mate. So I think that'd be quite interesting too. I guess I'll take you through my week. So my yeah. week normally starts on a Monday, uh, full rest day. Um, I'll Good go into the gym the really, early. <laughs> yeah, really early, really early before work. I'll um, go into the gym, just stretch, roll out, jump in the sauna, jump on the bike and it will be no weights whatsoever. Just recovery. Right. Um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday will all be really heavy lifts. So right now I'm in a nine week building phase. Uh, I've got, I think three weeks to go. Um, where we're slow every three weeks, we're increasing by 10%. Right. Wow. Um, increasing the weight by 10%. Yeah. So it's a, it's a heavy load, but it's working so far. We haven't, we haven't had any setbacks or any what fails. What sort of sizes are you using for that, for that strength work, mate? Just to give people an idea. So for this, ba so for this base phase. On this base phase, uh, we got Tuesdays and Thursdays over my legs. Yeah. Uh, we've got squats, deadlifts, uh, and lunges. That's all. Nice and straight. Just forward. really heavy. Really heavy. That's it. Wow. Um, and it would, so we're doing uh, three sets of 12. Right. Sorry, sorry. 10. So, stuffed it up there. 12 sets of three. Right. So three reps. So down yeah. heavy for, for 12 sets. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got about a three or four minute gap in between each set there. Yep. And then Tuesday, uh, sorry. Yeah. 
Wednesday is just for me, just for upper body, just right. to keep that general strength there. It's just what I want to do. Yeah. Um, I'll normally go for a run Wednesday afternoon, about five to 10 Ks, depending on how the body's feeling. Okay. Um, then Friday and Saturday is in nighttime is where I do my carpools. Yeah. Um, now I do the carpools on alternate weeks to keep stress off the body. So every fortnight I do a carpool. So um, last week I just did a carpool. This week I got a 60K run. Right. So we're still running and we're still pulling the car. Wow. So it just goes vice versa there. Um, after this nine-week building phase, we'll jump into specifics where I think I need to improve, um, whether my hamstrings are getting too tight, um, yeah. my calves are burning a bit more than usual, um, my back, lower back might be hurting. So that's when I'll get more into specifics then. How do you feel between a 60K normal run, unloaded run, and a carpool. So on those alternate weeks, mate, how does it, how does it make, like, what's the difference physiological and also really? Yeah, there is no difference really. I I feel the same after look a 60, a 50 to 60 K runner is quite comfortable for me now. Like I can, and I'm a, I actually in the six weeks I put on four kilos. Wow. I put on four kilos during training. Yeah. Cause I'm eating a lot more exerting a lot more. I'm in the gym for three to uh, sorry, two and a half to three hours before yeah. work um, training in the afternoon sometimes as well. Um, yeah. So I put on four kilos in total at the moment. So I'm currently sitting at 98 kilos. I was going to ask and, you the way now. Yeah. Yeah. So 98 kilos and I run a 60 in about six hours. It's pretty good. That's not too bad at all, mate. For that's a that's a lot of weight. Anything up to hundred kilos is a lot of weight to to carry around, and you're you're clocking in ten k's an hour. So that's very solid, eh? Well, yeah. guys, I'm running with uh, guys, I'm running with a fifty to sixty kilos. <laughs> so I'm <gonna> keep up, <laughs> mate. That's yeah. incredible. So uh, distances that you're pulling the car at this stage, mate. I mean, just to just to be clear, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but the you're planning to do the pull in on the start of March, 3rd of March, 2021. So we're about four months out, right? Yeah. So what distances are yep. you pulling the car at the moment? So right now I started off with an 8K, uh, sorry, a 5K, going into an 8K and then a 12K we just did um, last Friday. How was um, that? So basically, oh yeah, it was a breeze. It really was. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I'm not talking, I'm not trying to give myself tickets or anything like that. Like yeah. I'm just saying it, how it, it was, I, I, yeah, I honestly feel like I could, I could do it now, but wow. I want to try and knock off as much time as I can off it, off yeah. the record. So wow. I'll trust the process. I'm going, my longest carpool will be 36 Ks and that will be six weeks out. And then I'll head into a taper phase. Just to give people an idea, mate, the, you want to do this under 17 hours, hence the breaking 17. Currently, like how long, if you, if you don't mind sharing, if, if, it's, if it's confidential, of course, don't. But yeah, how no. long did it take you to do 12K, Paul? So it took me three hours to do 12Ks. Wow. So if we not, it's about 15 minutes a K. So if we go 10Ks um, in two and a half hours, that's just over 10 hours to get it done. And I feel really good. What do you think? Yeah. You ever sort of think, okay, this is e- this is good. I'm feeling strong. This is easy. That like, there's got to be a reason why. Like Ross Edgley's, you know, super smart guy. Got a big team around yeah. him. Do you ever sort of think, like, I wonder why he did it that long? I wonder what might happen at 30k. How we might react? Is there any of those thoughts going through your mind? I really have. I've I've had wondered why did this take Ross so long? Like I'm, I'm still, I was still trying to figure that out. And a lot of people were saying, Oh, have you had a look at Ross's program? Maybe you should have a look at his, you know? And I'm like, dude, 
Ross got seven. Ross got nineteen hours and a half. Like I'm trying to, like I want to smash that. So why would I follow his training program if that's where that got him? Yeah, that's right. the way I'm looking. At. Yeah, so I'm gonna follow my own process. Yeah. I want to see what I need to do. And look, I don't know. Ross, Ross could have been sick. Ross could have, you yeah. know, like there's so many factors that come into it, especially Absolutely. when running a norm, when running a normal marathon. You know that yeah. a lot of components come into feeling good. So on the day, I'm just hope I'm feeling a hundred percent. Yeah, and just get it done. Yeah, it's quite funny because we, we were actually talking about this the other day. You, you might have heard of this David Goggins challenge, four Ks, uh, four miles every four hours, oh, yeah. 48 hours. And yeah. we were trying to sort of debunk. We're like, why is this difficult? And then if it is, like, why is it difficult? Or, and, and not, you know, most of the time you just go to Google and you're like trying to read someone's yeah. blog about it. But we just sat around out in the desert and we we're like trying to figure out like at what point is it, you know, does it become a, a, a real challenge? And this is kind of how I'm thinking for yours, because obviously when we, when we last spoke a couple yeah. of weeks ago, you'd done the 8K pull and you'd done it in a, you know, in a savage time and yeah. 12K in a real savage time as well. And it's like, yeah. without wanting to unpick you, it's almost like, okay, are you thinking of everything and where really, you know, what's going on? So it's very interesting though, mate. I mean, is there anything, do you, you know, do you ever have a, like we know in a marathon that somewhere between 28 to 35 K shit can go wrong. Do you, yeah. is something like that in your mind, this, this, this heavy load on, on the muscles for a long time. Is there anything like that that you sort of trying to preempt? Well, every time I put myself in this, in this position, cause I'm going to get, as we know, in a very dark place after being there for 10 hours, nine hours, you know, um, especially when we're running and all this different kind of stuff, I always just try and stay as positive and as calm as I can. Yeah. And honestly, just breathe. Um, you know, a lot of, not a lot of people, but people have said, Oh, what if you don't get the time? And I said, what do you mean? If you're going to talk like that, I don't want you around me because I'm not, not going to get that time. I am going to get that time. Yeah. I'm going to smash it. I'm going to smoke it. I don't want that negativity around me or anything like that. And I, I don't think that I never look at it that anything could go wrong. Right. I just always think the positives. Just always positive, positive, positive. And I think when you put these, when I say these things, like I'm happy to put that I'm going to get sub 11 hours in this carpool because I'm putting it out there in the universe. And that gives me another thing in my mind every time I pull on that car that I go, hey, I've told people that I'm going to get this in under 11 hours. So you better get it in under 11 hours. <laughs> Otherwise you're a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I love it. And one thing I also love is you're doing it you, you are doing a lot of this for yourself, mate. You're, and, and, and I really got that in the sort of first half of the show. And, and, and I think people can really, you know, can, you've just come so open about it. And I'm appreciative of that. But you're also doing it for, for a great cause, mate, for, for Child Safe Australia. Talk to us a little bit about that. What's the motivation behind that? And perhaps if people can get involved, how they can get involved as well. Um, yeah, it's... A, it's I'm going to say it here first because my this passion for child abuse came when something something like sparked in my family and um, when me and my wife had my son, she started suffering from PTSD from child sexual abuse. Um, that when I started seeing that, I couldn't even give her a hug because wow. it just just flick a switch. Wow. You know, it's just um, that really affected me. Yeah. Um, when I started to look up, how do I help my now wife? Yeah. How do I help her? How do I do this? How do I do that? Um, when I started researching the statistics, 
you know, Marcus, in Australia, every 16 minutes, a child is sexually, emotionally, or physically abused. Wow. We've been talking for 45 minutes. Yeah. That's three children right there. Gone. Statistically. Now that to me, now that I see my own son, that just does not sit right with me at all. Um, with child safe Australia, which is the organization I'm doing this for, there's something that really attracted me to them was I, we can't be in everyone's household. This happens, this happens globally. It's not just in Australia. It happens globally. Um, we cannot be in every single person's household, making sure our children are kept safe, Mm. you know? So what child safe do, they start from the grassroots and they are putting in these preventative measures and educating people about child abuse, educating what you can do if you hear or see child abuse. Um, you know, teaching kids like don't say just the little things like don't say PP or all that kind of stuff like or have nicknames for your private parts. Like they say penis because that deters these predators. All these different edu- educating kids like that. That's what's on your body. That's what's who you are. And that is yours. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, very scary thing, Marcus. And that's why I'm so passionate about it because it has affected my family personally. I've got my own son. I've got little cousins, little nephews. It's just, yeah. It, wow. It's just a crazy thing. When I do more and more research into it, it, it really, it, it's sad. It's yeah. sad. It's very sad. Yeah. And mate, you're, you're obviously through this. You're trying to, you're trying to raise money. You want to raise $40,000. If people are touched by what, what you just said, which I'm sure some will be mate and they wanted to contribute, what's the best, where, where can they go to do that? I've got a GoFundMe link. Um, it's actually in my bio on my Instagram page. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. If they want to head to my Instagram page, the um, GoFundMe links on there. All the money goes directly to child safe. I don't touch any of it. I don't get to handle any of it through GoFundMe. It goes directly to them. Beautiful, mate. That's really cool. And folks, I'll put that in the show notes, but on Instagram, Corey is CosFit. Mate, talk to us a little bit about CosFit strength and endurance. What, what's going on there? CrossFit Strength and Endurance came about when I was sitting in the car. I need to have, like, I need to have a cool name for, for my business. I'm just brainstorming and yeah. I'm like, yep, CrossFit. And my dad's like, oh, that's a little bit too close, a little bit too close to CrossFit. And I go, it's better. <laughs> it's better. <laughs> and it's Love just, it. so Strength and Endurance, I'm a big set bloke. Yeah. I want, these, I want these guys that are around. I have proven, I am not blowing my tickets again, but I have proven that you can be a bigger set bloke with all this muscle mass, with about 70 kilos of muscle or whatever. Yeah. And you can still go run a comfortable 100K, you know? Yeah. Don't have to set yourself to one discipline. You don't have to be in a powerlifting comp and say, yeah, I'm the best powerlifter in New South Wales, but oh, I can't run 5Ks. Yeah. Like, you can. And I know you can. Um, you know, every single client I get on board... I say to them, if you show this program to a PT or if you made to PT, they're going to say, what the hell is this shit? This doesn't work out. Yeah. And I go, I'm trying to get most like clients that I have on board now. They're trying to get gain muscle, gain strength, but also run a comfortable 50. That's my main goal when I bring clients on. Um, and we do that through building mental resilience and stuff like that. Very cool, mate. And that's, again, that's all documented over on your, on your Instagram at CosFit, yeah. folks, go go check Corey out, mate. I want to finish up on a on, on a few different light-hearted questions before I bang you with the last one. Quick sort of answers here, mate. What I'm thinking through this show, like 
you used to go on massive benders, big nights out. What is a big night out for Corey Philpot now? A hundred K run through the night starting at 6, 6 PM. I love it. Mate, when they're on the menu, would you take pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Pancakes, huh? Like With chalk chips. Oh, mate, that's awesome. At the same time, we'll stay on food, mate. Are we having pineapple on pizza or not? Hell no. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Mate, this, this is the last time we talk. Sorry. <laughs> you had a 50% chance there. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Mate, carry on this sentence. 2020 is? Fuck. <laughs> And 2025 will be amazing. Amazing, mate. We'll wrap it up. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm so too. I think we both know we can influence that, mate. We'll wrap it up, mate, as I do with, with, with pretty much every guest that we have on. You've obviously learned a lot, mate, along the way. You're still young. You're 23. What you're doing is amazing and, and big respect, mate. And thank you for opening up so much to, to me and to, to the show. You've obviously learned a lot along the way, mate. What is the best parting piece of advice that you can give to us? Um, I, th I think if, if you want something, go for it. Don't listen to anyone besides yourself. You are the only one that create, can create your own pathway. Um, it's your journey, not someone else's. Some people will give you advice along the way. Take it as you please. If you like it, listen to it. If you don't, then stuff it because it's not a part of who you are. You just follow your passion. You follow what you want and everything else will fall into place and follow. Corey, you're an absolute legend, mate. I massively appreciate everything you've shared with us today, taking the time. We're going to be following your journey. Folks, please do hop over, follow Corey's journey. If you feel like contributing to child safe australia please do that through his instagram it is frightening some of those stats as are some of the stats that this gentleman's going to create <laughs> training with a 1.8 ton car pulling just under that for a distance of 42.2 kilometers on the 3rd of march 2021 we will be watching you mate thank you so much marcus thank you brother thanks for having me on